As a, as a body, um, God has had us in the book of Proverbs. I hope we recall this. Um, I love the book of Proverbs. I feel like that's why there's gold up there. There's nuggets. There's treasures in Proverbs that um, I hope God has been speaking in your life, even if you've been going through this for about three weeks. Um, you know, I'm not a miner, and I don't know much about mining other than what I've seen on Gold Rush. Anybody else familiar? Um, anyway, but i got to imagine that sometimes when people mine, um, I would probably throw away what they would keep because it doesn't look like what I expect. And as we're looking at Proverbs today, uh, I think we're going to look at a verse that a lot of people want to throw away because they don't like it, or it looks pretty ugly, it looks pretty candid. Um, and some of us will say, yeah, that gets, we get that. I mean, it'll be, our, it'll be our gold nugget. For others, it's going to be that piece of trash that we think it's not fair that the Bible says that. Recall I said in the book of Proverbs, there's some really candid Proverbs. Remember, we talked about one that told us not to be stupid, basically, right? I mean, we, we preached a sermon on don't be stupid. We preached a sermon on um, not being quarrelsome and what quarrelsome people can do. And we looked at our tongues last week. Talk about vivid smack you in the face Proverbs. Well, this morning I want to read a proverb, and as I read it, uh, I hope it repulses you as much as it repulses me. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Proverbs uh, chapter 26. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. Good morning. I mean, everybody who's had a dog has seen this very moment where your dog eats something and then they manage to vomit it up and like a normal creature, it goes and begins to consume what it just spit out. I hope you didn't have too much breakfast this morning. I mean, it's just such a sickening thing, right? I mean, really, uh, some our, our guts turn when we see that. We're like screaming. We're in horror. It's like a horror movie. Like, no, stop! You know? But that's what they do. I mean, it's, it's something, obviously, it's not a new thing. This has been in dogs for a very long time. Let's do some mining. What is this proverb saying? Like, what is this communicate? As a dog returns to its vomit. So there's a dog, and, and in Scripture, dogs are not good things. Dogs weren't like the family pet that we licked and kissed and loved like we do today. They just weren't. They were considered unclean animals. Dogs weren't like part of the family. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so for us, they're a part of the family. Oh, it's cute. They eat their vomit. I, I don't know. But, but, but at the time, dogs, they weren't, they were vile animals. I mean, if you read in Scripture, dogs don't have a good reputation. And so they're, they're returning to their vomit. What is vomit? It's something you ate, right? It's probably something you thought was good that wasn't good that came back up. Why do you vomit? Because your body doesn't want what you put in it, right? So a dog goes back and does what? He consumes what his body told him was wrong. Just like a fool. 
I love it. Hebrew. The Hebrew word there for fool literally means stupid fellow. It's like a stupid fellow who returns to their stupidness. Jesus' version this morning. Their foolishness, their folly. You know, the problem that I see as a pastor, the problem I want to look at this morning, what I, what I want us to just spend some time in the Word really wrestling with, is I'm telling you, there's a reaction when a dog returns to his vomit. Like an emotional response. Shrieks, horror, whatever. What about when a fool returns to their folly? I mean, I think we're more repulsed at a dog returning to their vomit than we are a fool repeating their mistakes. Why? Dogs have been doing it since the beginning of time, apparently, and they've survived. They're going to be all right. We may not want to kiss them tonight before bed, but they're going to be all right. Why aren't we compelled? Why isn't there an emotional response when we watch a fool return to their folly? There's a story. It's in it's in the Old Testament. I want to I want to be in the book of First Kings for a little while this morning. First Kings, and I'm going to look through about four or five chapters, and and I, and I want to look at a man in the book of of First Kings. It's, he's the king of Israel. His name's King Ahab. And, and, and I want to look at him in the context of, of Proverbs because he's a great example of what we see time and time again. Before we get into second, or first Kings, I want to pray, Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the nugget that's in the word of God. And I pray, God, that as we look at your word this day, this nugget is refined before us and becomes a treasure in our lives. I pray, God, that your word would be communicated. Holy Spirit, I yield myself. I pray every heart, every ear, every mind in this room would be yielded to the work that you desire to accomplish in us and through us. That your will would be done this day. In Jesus' name, amen. I said we're going to talk about King Ahab. Who knows when you get an introduction, you want it to be a good thing. So I'm just going to read, it's not in the notes, but I'm just going to read... um, King Ahab's introduction in Scripture. So you get a picture of who he is. Okay? In the 30th, uh, 38th year of, king, of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became the king of Israel. Um, in verse 30, Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the previous sins, but he also married Jezebel, and he set up temples uh, of Baal for worship. Welcome to Ahab. Ahab, introduced in Scripture, when we meet him, who is he? Yeah, he's the son of the king, but how is he known? He's the worst of the bunch. He did way more evil than anybody before him. What did he do? We know Jezebel. He married Jezebel. And they set up temples, and they started worshiping Baal. And that's, that's who our king, that's the individual Ahab. I want to look at Ahab this morning. That's who he is. Because of the evil that he does. In, in, in 1 Kings chapter 17, God, God speaks through a prophet. His name is Elijah. These are two characters that we'll see together throughout this whole story. He says, prophesy what? 
Because of your evilness, because of your foolishness, whatever you want to say, because of the direction you're leading us in, guess what? We're not there yet, Irene. Just leave it. It's going to be a while before I get to that verse. Yeah, just leave this wonderful picture up there. Because of, uh, of the direction that, that Ahab, the king, is leading the kingdom, God promised that there wouldn't be rain on the land. He promised them that there would be famine and drought. So, so the prophet Elijah communicates this to Ahab. So what happens? There's drought and famine. They run out of food, right? Uh, what God said through the prophet. Now, I want you to think about Ahab. Now, at some point, I'm the evilest king there's ever been. God has told me, because of the evil that we're doing, there won't be rain. And about three years into the process, I'm going to catch on. Right? So what happens... With Ahab, there's famine, and his wife says, guess what? It's Elijah's fault. Jezebel says, it's Elijah's fault, so we should go kill all the prophets. Because it's always got to be someone else's fault. Ahab, he's just a great character. I want to I discover just how, how far off Ahab truly is. How close or how prominent his vomit truly is. And so rather than responding to the word of God, he listens to Jezebel, right? And they begin to to set out to kill all the prophets. And so the prophets kind of go and scatter. But then what happens? There's a big showdown on the mountain because everybody's hungry. They're desperate, right? Elijah is called out by God. He goes to Ahab, scared, whatever else. Why are we doing this? But he, he knows that Ahab wants to kill him. But he says, let's just go ahead. Let's go up on the mountain. And all the prophets of Baal come, and Ahab and Elijah's there, and remember what they do. They're going to call down fire from heaven to consume their sacrifice. Right? I mean, once again, so the prophets of Baal try, and there's no fire that comes down, and Elijah's enjoying the moment. He didn't have last week's sermon yet, so he was running his mouth. Is your God so strong? You know, all that stuff. Uh, he's laughing at them, calling them foolish. And then Elijah, he calls fire down and it consumes the, the sacrifice and the entire altar. You remember what I'm saying? Like that happens, right? And then he speaks a promise. It's going to rain. And Ahab goes off happy. Because his problem is now taken care of. Ahab goes off and he says, hey, guess what? It's going to rain. I'm going to go eat, drink, and be merry now. It's really kind of the implication of that chapter. But in the meantime, because of what everyone else witnessed, they killed all the prophets of Baal. These are all Jezebel's friends. And so when when Ahab goes back and tells Jezebel what happened, she gets upset and she wants to kill the prophet again. But God still sends the rain. So as time moves on, he's the king of Israel, and Ahab is. And often in kingdoms, there are other kingdoms that want to take you over. So all of a sudden, there's another circumstance that comes. We're still in 1 Kings, probably about chapter 18 right now. The kingdom of Aram wants to invade Israel, take it over. And Ahab has understanding of how powerful this kingdom is. 
And he's looking at them and his self. He says, they're going to kick our tails. And he's scared. He's ready to give them everything. He's ready to turn it all over. And, and, and his advisors, his counselors say, hey, well, let's hold off. And then God begins to speak to him through prophets. I mean, this is incredible. God starts to speak to him. He is, he is so scared, he's consumed by fear. But God begins to speak to him through prophets to go to war. And then when he's in battle, he speaks to him about military strategy in battle through the prophets of God. Now, he'll listen to the prophets of God when he wants to hear them. And so what does God do? He delivers Israel. He defeats his kingdom. Now, at some point in this story, aren't you going to change? I mean, seriously, like, think of Ahab. I, I want you, again, we're putting ourselves in the dog owner's place right now. We're watching this. God has told him he was going to send drought. He watched the drought and famine come, yet he didn't change. God told him, or, or Elisha told him, God's going to bring fire down from heaven. He watched fire come from heaven and, and consume the, 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 the offerings, but he didn't change. He watched it start raining. He never changed. He won military battle listening to prophets of the Most High, but he still didn't change. How do I know? We get to oh, about chapter 20. He's a little disappointed. He's a little bit sad because Elijah kind of calls him out because he didn't kill the king. When, when he went and defeated, he was supposed to kill everybody, kill the king, and he didn't kill the king. And so Elijah comes in. This is in the end of, of 1 Kings chapter 20. This is what the Lord says. You've set free a man determined who should die, or to, who was determined to die. Therefore, it is your life for his life, your people for his people. So sullen and angry, the king of Israel went to his palace in Samaria. He gives to his palace. Now, this is just, we're looking at this guy's life. I know I'm doing it fast. I just want to give a big picture of what's going on. Now he's pouting and sad because God rebuked him. The prophet said something that he didn't like. We just won, right? We just won the battle. Everything's good. I didn't kill the other guy because he, he said he was sorry, so I showed grace. I did what I was supposed to do, whatever. And he still called out. And so we see that he's sullen, and then he sees something that he wants. His neighbor's got a vineyard right there that, I like that. I'm the king and I want that. So as a king, he went and talked to Walt. He said, Walt, I like your vineyard, so here's the deal I'm going to make. Let's make a deal. I like yours. It's close to me. I got a really great place just down the road, so why don't we just swap it out? The guy he's talking to says, No. It's a family treasure. But it's, I mean, I'll give you, it'll be better land. It'll produce better. It's a better place. It's on the river. There's big deer, whatever else. Well, there's fishing there. Big walleye. Nope. 
And so in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 21, we see the king, and, and, and well, it's not offered, so don't, don't be contemplating still. The offer's not there. So much like Walt is right now, the king kind of went into his inner chamber and he started to pout. He's pouting because he got called out by the prophet. He's pouting because he can't have what he wants. He's pouting because his people won't listen to him, whatever. And guess who comes along? Oh, Jezebel. You see, you know what's interesting about Ahab? He listens to a lot of counsel in his life. He listens to advisors, he listens to prophets, he listens to counsel, he listens to Jezebel. He's always listening to counsel. Dear, that's not fair. Stay. You get what you want. You're the king. You know you're the king and we can get whatever we want. So Jezebel comes up with the plan. Finds a couple crooks who will say bad things about the owner of the vineyard. They put him on trial. He gets put to death. And guess what? Ahab can have his garden. And Walt, you're not fishing because you're dead. So why now? I want to pick this up. I want to read these verses. 1 Kings chapter 21. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Go down and meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He's now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, This is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, This is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. Ahab said to Elijah, So you have found me, my enemy. I have found you, he answered, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eye of the Lord. He says, I'm going to bring a disaster on you. I will wipe out your descendants, and I will cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and that of Basha, the son of Ahijah, because you have aroused my anger and caused Israel to sin. And also concerning Jezebel, the Lord says, Dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Israel. Dogs will eat those belonging to Ahab who die in the city, and birds will feed on those who die in the country. I'm telling you, good morning, good Sunday morning. We're talking about dogs eating vomit. Now we're talking about dogs and birds eating dead bodies. There was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols. Like the Amorites, the Lord drove out before Israel. What a, what a commentary. There was never anyone as bad as this dude. There was never such a sellout. There was never anyone who was so vile with a helpmate like Jezebel who helped him accomplish all these awful things. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth and fasted. He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. 
And the word of the Lord came to Elijah with this thought. I want you to look at this. And let me tell you about the grace of God, because this is grace right here. We've talked for a long time about Ahab, all the stupid things he did, all the, all the, all the mess-ups that he had along the way, all the terrible things that were accomplished through him, all the times he turned his back and ignored what God was speaking to him, the times that he, he went after prophets, and the times that he allowed his wife to, to kill the, the men of God. The word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Do you not notice? Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day. I, I will bring it on his house in the days of his sons. I mean, do you see this? Like, what a story. You ever lived this story in life where there's someone who you say is absolutely never going to get it? Like, you watch them, and you watch them time and time again fail and reject run from, persecute, make bad choices, do stupid things, kill people because they want something that's not theirs, listen to a stinking Jezebel, tell them to do whatever they want. I mean, this is an incredible verse. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. God noticed something. Has he not humbled himself? Like, I want to pause and throw a party right now. You know what I mean? Like, Seriously, this is like the time we sing, celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. We jump up and down because he's changed. Like a dog returns to its vomit. Three years, things are good. Then the king of Aram comes again. Ahab is scared. He doesn't know what to do. Who should he listen to? There's prophets of God that speak truth, right? Oh, but there's this one dude, Micaiah. He always says bad things. I don't want to listen to him. He surrounds himself with a bunch of prophets that will say what he wants to hear. You never see that, you know, like on the movie screen, like the dog's getting ready to lick the vomit. You just want to scream, Stop! That's where we're at. I mean, dude just was, was, was revealed by God Almighty that God saw his repentant heart, that God saw him humbling self, that God was going to spare him from, from the reality of dogs licking up his blood. Here we go again. Micah starts to speak. He doesn't like what Micah has to say. He goes to battle. Guess what happens? He gets killed. He dies. Dogs come up and lick up his blood. Good morning. There's a dog returns to its vomit. So a fool 
Two feet so far. Yeah, we can talk about Ahab. It's a long time ago. None of us knew him. We didn't even recognize his picture. It wasn't on Facebook. I mean, are we repulsed? Does it bother us? Does it compel us? Does it stir us? We'll talk about someone else right now, because it's better to talk about someone else than about ourselves. Because my vomit doesn't taste too bad. You know what I'm saying? How foolish. How stupid does it seem to eat what your body has already rejected, what your body told you it didn't want in the first place. Stupid fellow. What about us? When we repeat the folly over and over to the place that vomit becomes pretty okay. Not so bad. Hold your nose, close your eyes. It's like you're eating beef stroganoff. Why is that okay? Why settle for vomit? He'd set a table for you to vomit. Second Peter talks about false prophets in the second chapter of that book. These people are springs without water and mists driven by storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty, boastful words. And by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome. They're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Verse 22, Of them the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. Why? Why? I'm telling you, in life, I just want to scream, Stop! Why? Why do we get set free from something only to go back to that again? I know of a pastor. He, when, when he grew up, he told me, he said, uh, there were news articles about him. He, he, he was an armed robber up in, in like New Jersey, and there were, there were articles about him because of all the, the armed robbery that he had done. He was radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
He started working with, with youth groups and he became the pastor of a church. Oh, but his mama. Those same vices that drove him to, to rob, those same vices that, that drove him to steal, they came back. Those same desires. Stood before a church and told them, I'm not who you say I am. I've been consuming the vomit. He didn't say that. He said those words. Why? Why? Let me tell you something this morning. God's got something much better for you than your vomit. If He's caused you to reject it, stop picking it back up. If He's shown you it's wrong, it's still wrong. If he said it wasn't good for you the first time, why do you think it's going to be good for you the second time? Stop settling for the vomit. Oh, I'm not, Pastor. I'm good. Because a fool repeats his folly. I don't know what's going on in your life. We talked in Sunday school about self-control. We talked in Sunday school about, about, about doing those things that sometimes are hard for us to do. That was last week. We all have things that are a struggle, but I know that God's got something better for me. I promise God's got something better for you. Stop! It's disgusting! It makes my stomach curl, flip, whatever. I hate hearing stories of pastors or people who have been transformed by the gospel who just go back to what was. That's what, what Peter's writing about here. They were washed clean. The pig was washed clean. And then where did it go? Back to the mud. Speaking of dogs, we had a dog when I was young. You'd give that thing a bath. You know the first thing it would do? It'd run outside, find some dog poop, and roll in it. Well, that's gross. Yeah. You know what I feel like sometimes happens in church? Uh-oh. You go to church and God says, you're an army. <laughs> we stand up because that feels good. God empowers us and He strengthens us. And then we go outside and we roll in some dog poop. You know, my dog would act stupid. He thought he was the same. Well, must he didn't smell the same. He has some sense for it. This morning, I, I want to be an encouragement. I don't want to be a discouragement. I want to be an encouragement. 
You know, we talked about perseverance. In Sunday school this morning, we talked about the reality of, of overcoming or patiently enduring or whatever definition we place upon that word. God is faithful. I want you to hear that God desires good in your life. I want you to know that God has, has good for you. Ahab, man, listen. The prophets have been speaking. The prophets have been talking. Man, look at what God has been doing around you. Listen to me, a person in this room. God has been moving in your life. You may not have seen fire, but you heard His word. You may not have experienced drought, but you've sensed His presence. I want to tell you, God has a good meal for you. Child of God who says, well, Pastor, I know, I knew that. But all I've been getting is that same stuff. Keep walking that same path. I keep going to that same place. Stop! Stop! It's not good for you. You're going to starve. It's not good. I'm telling you, my God has a meal for you. Stop looking at that vomit. Stop looking uh over the left or right. But look at the table he set before you. Father, in this room this day, I believe you're working. God, I know that you've orchestrated this. And I pray for us in this room. You know, there was a moment in Ahab's life where he recognized you. He put on sackcloth, he humbled himself. He put on sackcloth and humbled himself. God, for us in this room, I pray if that moment is happening where we're recognizing you. What was sackcloth and what was that? It was just a measure of repentance. A measure acknowledging that I'm not where I'm supposed to be. God, if there's anyone in this room that says, I, I identify with that nugget, I identify with that fool, God, I pray for true repentance this day. Repentance that doesn't catch the eyes of men, but repentance that catches the, the eyes and heart of the Father. God, I pray for that food, that good food that you desire to give. God, I pray for that steak. I pray for that apple pie. I pray for whatever you want to give us this morning, God, that, that, that we would consume what is ours, that we would be nourished. And we'd stop. We'd stop. We'd Stop going back. 
repeating that same foolishness over and over because of who I am in Christ Jesus. God, I pray in this in this room you stir in our hearts. I pray in this room, God, you bring us to a place where we can be honest with you. God, I know that you said the word of God, it's like a mirror. I pray for that mirror today. I pray, God, you reveal my foolishness. Ouch. I pray, God, in this room, you reveal our foolishness. Help us to see it so we don't repeat it. Walton Carey, lead us in a chorus. I would open up the altars and I would just encourage you to respond to the Word of God. If you said, Pastor, I acknowledge this and I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been a dog and I don't want to be a dog. Then then I'll pray with you. If you want to pray by yourself, if you want to take a moment to to put on some sackcloth, to to live in some repentance, that's what this time is, is for. Because God's got a good deal for you. God's got a table. He's got a place with your name on it. He desires for you to have it. The altars are open. Man, have you been fed this morning? Did you get a meal from the Father this morning? Yeah. Amen? Did He wash you up a little bit? I'm going to say it. Don't eat your food. Don't eat your puke. And don't roll in poop. Do you remember anything, Roy? Don't eat your puke. And don't roll in poop. Amen? Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and grant you his peace. And may you stay away from the vomit and poop. Amen? Be blessed.